everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. We are the podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. Uh, a very interesting episode we have lined up today with one yes. Peter Holland, uh, a, a man who uh, we say wears many hats uh, in the business and, and happy to talk through all those. But of course, before we get to our interview today, let's check in with Will, my compadre, co-host extraordinaire, Will Hookinga. What's going on in your corner of the world? Hey, John, I'm I'm pretty excited right now because we did something for the first time ever in the last week that we haven't done before. Do you know what it was? Uh, no. Come on, this should be super obvious. Wait, what is it? Uh, we did something this week that we've never done before. We released our first ever bonus Rumcast episode for the oh, first time ever. Man, never I was so done. I was so Come past on. that already. I was already thinking of bonus episode number two. <laughs> that's that's, right. that's where my brain was Moving going on. already. Yeah, um, yeah. No, before we jump in everything, I, I just want it was uh, it was really fun for us to do. We did a, a bonus episode for our Patreon community and something we want to start doing once a month. It's basically kind of a rundown of interesting and noteworthy rum releases. This is something that John and I have talked about doing for a while yeah. because kind of the only way to know about upcoming releases, I feel like, is to just scroll through a million social media communities and stuff like that. And uh, we wanted to create another way. So just kind of, you know, our take, what we think is interesting about upcoming releases and stuff. But yeah, if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash the rumcast. And when you sign up on any of our levels there, you'll get access to the uh, extra monthly episode. So now that that plug is out of the way, but I am actually like genuinely excited about it. Actually, like af- after we yeah. recorded the first episode, we were both like, that was fun. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We were really it was, excited about it. So it, it was fun to try something like slightly different and yeah. focus our kind of discussion and energy on that and help to really kind of just bring things out organically, which was which was cool. So uh, yeah, I, I hope a lot of people get yet to check that out soon. It, it was fun. And yeah. I look forward to bonus episode number two, like I was saying. That's right. I'm already, already writing notes down. Yeah. That's right. Taking notes. Um <laughs> yeah, before we get to this interview with Peter Holland of the floating also UK brand ambassador for Foursquare Rum Distillery and kind of just general rum guy over at That Boutique Rum Company, an independent <laughs> bottler over there uh, based out of the UK. Uh, there was something in particular in this interview that really jumped out to me. And of all things, it made me think of a beverage that is native to the part of the country that I primarily grew up in, okay. um, which is Alabama. Mm-hmm. When, when I say native beverage to Alabama, I'm curious, because you're in Florida, so technically a neighboring state, there's a border that's shared. Yeah. What comes to mind for you, even though you're all the way down at the the very southern tip down there in Miami? Right, right. I live in Miami, not Florida, as they say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to steer clear I, I of will anything. Say, I, I yeah. Will, yeah, I know. You're going to get your Alabama <laughs> jokes in. They're, they're all easy. They write themselves, just like the Florida jokes do. I will say that this is a beverage that's not native specifically to Alabama. It's really most of the Southeast in general. It's a okay. variation on a beverage that's enjoyed all over the world, but only prepared in one very specific way around the southeastern huh. United States. And I was actually curious to find out if it's a, as big a thing in Florida. I'm okay. guessing it might not be. No, um, I, I mean, but, but you seem I'm like you're grasping at straws here. So, Well, I, I'm going to, the only thing I can think of, the, the, the picture that conjures in my mind in Alabama, which is totally wrong, is like, like moonshine. 
type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, is I it related that, to I moonshine? I wish that was the case. I, I mean, I'm sure there are some moonshiners in, in Alabama. I, I never personally encountered any of them growing <laughs> up. I'm, I think I was going to the wrong parties um, yeah. or something. It probably had more to do with I left Alabama when I turned 18. So, you know. As um, you got to the age what, where you would have been initiated, you left. Right, right, exactly. right. right. Yeah. So anyway, the beverage I'm talking about is a lot more family friendly. It's sweet tea. Sweet tea, oh. John. Sweet tea. No, sweet tea is a thing here. It's yes. a thing even it, down in Miami? It, it, it is even in Miami. I'm not a sweet tea drinker. Um, I, I'm, I'm not either at this point in my life. Now, when I was growing up, I did really enjoy sweet tea. Um, Milo's Sweet Tea, which is a very famous brand that you can get at grocery stores, actually yeah. started in Alabama. Not a lot of people know this, but there's like a fast food, you know, burger place called Milo's that's only in Alabama. And mm. that's where Milo's Sweet Tea comes from. But anyway, okay. why am I talking about sweet tea right now? It's right? because there was something in this interview that made me think about the idea of being able to order tea in the South and knowing it's going to be sweet as hell, Right. Um, because uh, okay, I think if, I see where you're going if here. You have, mm-hmm. If you have someone visiting the South, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from another part of the country, and maybe they're an iced tea drinker, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting there at the restaurant and they order an iced tea, nine times out of ten, if it's you know, if if the person kind of has experience, they're going to be like, um, now. Are, it's it's sweet tea, you know, because right. because if you're that's from the, the default sa- setting. If yeah. you're fr- if you're from the south, you don't order iced tea, right? You know, you say sweet tea or whatever. In my experience, that's how it goes anyway. And anyway, just having that that distinguish uh, distinguishing factor on the style, knowing that sweet when you're going into it. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this because in our interview with Peter, we do a lot of talking about Madeira rum. Uh, Peter right. just recently took a trip to Madeira. He's been there a few times. That boutique rum company has bottled some rums from distilleries in Madeira. And he mentioned something to me that I did not know about, which was that there in the past, there was a class of Madeira rum that was called Beneficiado. And I looked this up after the interview. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that means is it's rum that has been sweetened. And on the label, he, he said, you know, they had to put Beneficiado on there. And hmm. it, it turns out, as Peter explains to us, uh, apparently they've they've gotten rid of this class of rum and you just can't sweeten rum at, at Madeira rum at all now anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I, I looked it up and I found some images of bottles that say, you know, uh, rum Agricola Madeira Beneficiado right there on the huh. on the label. And I thought to myself, man, that's that's nice. I like that you know, if if you're gonna add, you know, sweetened rum in some way, I like the idea of sort of embracing it and being like, this is just a style of rum, right? It's beneficiado. Yeah. And having a clear meaning of what that is and having people be able to see it next to regular rum and, you know, right. choose, make the decision before they buy it, right? So I don't know. That was just a, a really interesting thing to me, a interesting concept. And it, it stuck hmm. out to me. You know, that that is interesting. Beneficiado, I think, just means like benefited from. That's what I thought too. Um, but, but is it I, different than that? Yeah. I don't know. See, I, I have I have very little knowledge of Spanish and I right. have even smaller knowledge of Portuguese. So, um, uh, but, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good point. I thought yeah. it, it was maybe something like that. So, well, right. It, I mean, it kind of just this is probably wrong without researching it, but like it feels like they might have said benefited from added, you know, whatever, sugar. Right. 
And so that's kind of where the meaning, maybe it just shrank down to one word over time. Maybe a subjective meaning, whether it benefited or not. But, uh, you know, I'm less focused on the meaning of it and just the concept of like having some distinguishing factor. No, I I totally agree with you. Yeah, but I also find it interesting, the word choice also, I guess is what I'm saying. You're such a Um, word nerd. I am a word nerd. And how how I'm the one who writes for a living, but you're the one who's always sitting here, you know, breaking down the... lexicon of the show in some way i am i'm just a a philologist i love words philologist yeah philologist yeah okay that's there that is an actual thing and like that's the right word uh no i I, yeah i'm just nerdy enough to know that (laughs) you know going back to what you said about sweet tea though so now having heard that conversation my i'm not a tea drinker but when i go out with people who do order tea here in miami at least which is a very different kind of mix of cultures it is always just, you know, you ask for more iced tea, I guess, usually, but they will ask you, sweetened or unsweetened. That can happen, too. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I, sometimes you'll be offered a choice. Right. Um, Almost but, always here. They'll okay. ask you. Yeah. To clarify, I guess you would say. Which also is interesting in a way because, you know, like, I mean, when you go, come back to rum and you think about that, like, I want to have the choice. Right. Right. I'd love, I, I don't mind a sweetened rum as long as I know it's sweetened and I'm in the mood for that. But, well, you know, and, I gravitate towards the unsweetened stuff. Yeah, um, and I would say there's there's degrees of it. Um, that's fair. I, I yeah. pretty much always prefer like if I if I know a rum is sweetened, I'm yeah. probably not going to buy it. Again, I'm not casting judgments on people who do gravitate toward that. I'm just saying for me personally, I probably won't buy it. But that being said, I've had rums that have been sweetened that I think oh like it's still right. decent, you know. Right. And then I've had ones that I'm just like oh god, you know, like this is yeah, this, it's like drinking syrup basically. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a really great way to explain it though to people who may not even be in the know or thinking about it in those terms. It's it's interesting. But back to Madeira. So yeah. Madeira is famous for its wine, right? Which is a thing. I mean, most people know that. It's, also, it's, great. It's it's fortified wine, I, I believe. It's fortified. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, a very very good board game called Madeira. By the mm-hmm. way, out there, so fans of the board games that listen to the show, they might know the game Madeira. But you know, the rum also has a long history, which is what Peter kind of explains a little bit to us about, and what you're because kind of sugar referencing cane is as well. Such a long history. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, really, a fascinating part of the conversation. Uh, yeah, and, and that was just one part of it. So <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like, like we were. We, it sounds like we're building up Peter as like all he does is Madeira rum, and that's I know. not really true at all. <laughs> like, like uh, as as we said, Peter's been in the rum world for a really long time. He started a website called the Floating Rum Shack back in 2008 uh, as just a blog. So he's been writing about it for so long, and it was really interesting to get his perspective on just like what the rum universe was like back then at that time and how it's grown and at how he has grown with it because he started out as a hobbyist essentially and now it's his full-time job like we mm-hmm. said he's the uk brand ambassador for foursquare he's very involved at that boutique rum company actually very involved in like picking releases and and stuff like that and even involved in some of those wildly creative labels that that uh, <laughs> our listeners may be familiar with if they've seen the releases from them before so a really fun interview. We bounced around all over the rum world. Like we said, Foursquare, Independent Bottlers, Madeira Rum, Rum Education, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Uh, Peter's a fun guy, and he humored us and uh, you know, really delivered. So excited for people to hear this one. Yeah, it's always great to hear from somebody across the pond, as, as they say. As they say, yeah. yes. For, for us to hear more about the UK market and, and a lot of what's going on there. So uh, I guess let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll get right back with it.
right, we are here with Peter Holland, the man behind the floatingrumshack.com. Peter, actually, I have a, an embarrassing confession to make, which was the first time I ever heard about you and the Floating Rum Shack, I was talking with a rum friend who is in Fiji, and he mentioned, you know, he really started getting into rum a while back, and he attended uh, a, a class from Peter Holland of the Floating Rum Shack, and I was like, wow, this guy's like, on a boat, like going around the world all the way to Fiji to teach people about rum. I thought it was a literal floating rum shack and you were just, you know, traveling the oceans all around the world, spreading the word of rum everywhere, Um, which is, I mean, basically what you're doing just without the boat. But it was a really cool image imagining this actual floating rum shack. And I'm wondering if I'm the only person who's ever been stupid enough to make that mistake or if other people do this too. Honestly, it's... um. There's a lot to be said for having a name that's unique, like <laughs> yeah. that kind of stands out because like, you know, you, you, you got to have a USB, you got to have something that stands out. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, for a lot of times we get people on the run up to Christmas going like, um, so um, can we book, um, you know, can we book a, a party for like 30 people at your place? <laughs> you know, that's it. And so I look over the wife and go like, I'm not sure we'll get 30 people in our front room, but we're going to go and get cushions and stuff. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> like $50 a head. Yeah, no, come on, come on in. So, um, yeah, it's caused some confusion over the years. And we have had people trying to kind of go like, can we borrow the name, actually? Because we've got like a pontoon, like on our seafront bar, and we'd be good. And they go like, well, I know there's nothing to do. I haven't got a legal department. I can't stop you. <laughs> but <laughs> if you could not, please, that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> you know? no, you're, you're being very humble. There's there's an entire team of lawyers behind your shoulder just to make sure you don't say anything incriminating. Um, oh, God, no, I wish. <laughs> on the note of names, we were extremely creative over here with uh, the rum oh, yeah. See, We combined the word rum with the word podcast. Um, yep. I, most people, I think, don't realize that because it's it took so... took us like, like two weeks to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. so out of the box. <laughs> So, Peter, in in addition to uh, operating the floating rum shake, I, uh, rum shack, rum floating shake. rum shake would be something completely different. Probably <laughs> been there cocktails. too. Uh, <laughs> um, but I know you're also the UK brand ambassador for Foursquare and the global ambassador for that boutique rum company. You do a lot of those rum education events that we talked about in events, and I've even seen you write somewhere you're essentially quote a rum guy for hire. Um, that's that's a lot of hats. So um, I guess. I wanted to ask to start us off, how do you describe to people, especially even those outside of the rum world, what it is that you do? Oh, man. Well, you've, you've, you've got it all. Well, well done. I got a <laughs> congratulations on the research. Um, it's very, very difficult. I mean, I get like, get folks say, what do you do? Like, I need something. I need a category for like, you know, they, they want to put me down on a form or something or other. It's so very difficult to, to pigeonhole what we do. Everything I do is kind of education driven, but. Yeah, occasionally writing right now. Right, I've got a bunch of things that I need to do, and one of which is like I've got two articles that I need to write for the forthcoming Rama annual, and that deadline's looming. <laughs> it's looming hard, and it's like it's really weighing on me. Um, and yeah, we, we you know, work with the two brands. I do other stuff. It's yeah, it, it honestly, it's if I think I, I put it on uh, on Twitter. I goes if it if it's rummy, I'm probably involved with it in some form or other. You know. <laughs> <laughs> not to a great degree. Maybe I'm not very good at it necessarily. I wouldn't say I'm a great writer these days, but, um, but you know, it, it's nice to be involved with all aspects of the wrong world It's the, the being balanced and being, um, trying to get all inputs, you know, cause I was looking through, I mean, you give us a little primer on things we might talk about. And I was kind of looking at going like, God, where I was a few years ago to where I am now. is so very, very different, mm, yeah. very different. And I don't regret the journey at all. 
because it's always about learning and new new things. But like you kind of like the the perspective that I kind of cherished a few years ago. Oh my god, it's slipping away because you just you, you get drawn into the industry and you get drawn in from one side of uh, the industry. And so actually, I have someone coming to me asking me about writing about you know like what do I you know views and things. It's actually quite nice because then you have to step back a moment. And stop thinking about the next launch or whatever it might be, and you know, and 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 actually, guess like, well, what what are the real people thinking about? Let's have a look on the forums, and you know, and and see what what are the real folks, what are the actual rum drinkers ch- chatting about right now? What's important to them? You uh-huh. know, and it's actually nice to be grounded once in a while. So that's a roundabout way of answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> On that note of, you know, what people are talking about and everything, uh, you've been in the trenches as a rum educator and writing about rum uh, a lot longer than many people that, you know, are out there these days. You started Floating Rum Shack in 2008, I believe is the year. Mm. I kind of wanted you to take us back to that time. Like, what was the landscape of rum education like then? What were kind of the common topics being discussed and what sort of pushed you to start the site uh, and, and in the insert time yourself, yeah, yeah, insert yourself into the conversation in the first right. place. Make yourself comfortable, guys. Strap <laughs> yourself in. <laughs> right, very back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, you know the um the, the nice thing about where we are in the modern era is we're in a, a, a far far better place. I would suggest from an education and from a knowledge point of view than we've ever been but you know mm. we can you can dial in you can dial into your podcast you can get really good information right there on demand as you want it right from you know uh, insightful with the people that you want to uh, talk to you rewind to when um we started the website so 2008 it was a while ago and i don't want to say make it sound like it was a long time ago but lots of things in the technology world has changed you know having access to information on demand like via your your, your smart computer in your pocket that's not a thing you know yeah and 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 and, and i would say I, I kind of i'm I'm not and have never been a forum kind of person i don't hang around on forums it's just not me at all and so there was like ministry of rum and so if you wanted mm-hmm. to find out about stuff you went to ministry of rum there's some other places jimbo and Captain, yeah, mm-hmm. Captain Jimbo and stuff. There was there's things going on, but there wasn't lots and lots of uh, resources, and there wasn't different formats of resources, things that can kind of capture the imagination, YouTube and stuff. They, they just didn't really exist. So I kind of like so the 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 writing as I did it. I mean, yeah, my my background is not rum production. It's not rum sales. I don't, you know, I don't. I'm not involved with it at all. It's engineering background. Right. Um, and rum was very much just as a hobby, just to kind of break the monotony of the the stressful day job. And so it's like, it, honestly, when we started writing the blog, I really didn't give a shit whether anyone read it or not, because I actually enjoyed the moments of writing it up. And yep. just, just literally, it was the creative process of creating something. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and I, I can't, I'm, I'm deeply embarrassed when everyone mentions like the floating rum shack now, because the website is just in a terrible state, kind of the, the data is there, but it's kind of not accessible in a big way. And so the website, when you look at it now, you're like, well, geez, what's this all about? You know, but there was, I, I don't regret where we were because I think it was, there was a lot of enthusiasm and it was raw and untapped. And, and if I was to like, try not to sound like a grumpy old man, I am near a knocking on fifties door. So I'm a little bit of the older persuasion. It was very much of an era when if it had the word rum in the name, it was cool like just rum in general was cool. And so it didn't matter who turned up for a rum club, like yeah, you know, a trailer happiness or whatever, you know, it's like, it was great. You know, some were definitely better than others, but like, yeah, things have moved on such a long way in terms of the quality of brands. And so, you know, I mentioned I was, um, 
you know, I was before this, I was sort of just starting to get my 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 vibe together by listening to the the interview with Frank Ward, mm. a gentleman whom I've enjoyed two rum clubs at Trailer Happiness hosting oh, a Mount Gilbert cool. Rum Club. Now, how many people are look back and go like, God damn, I wish I was there. And you're like, well, we, we kind of took <laughs> yeah. it for granted, you know. I got my I've got my I've got my very dusty bottle of um, Mount Gilbert off the there shelf, which if you oh, kind nice. of you know you won't be able to see it on there, but there's a cork floating in it. Oh which, wow. And it has been probably for the last 10 years. I do see um, and that's there. that's yeah that that really I mean it's at the back of the shelf kind of thing but it's mm. you know it's these are the things we've got. Um and at the time like, and, and just again listening to Frank he's a tricky bugger. He really <laughs> is. Frank is a mine of information. I hope you listen to this Frank. But you have to know <laughs> what question to ask him. If you know the right question to ask him he will unload so much information. Yes. We've been there at Rumfest, Rumfest 2010 or whenever it would be when he was there with a, his Mount Gilboa stand. And, you know, and you, you, there's so much you could learn from him, but you just have to know what to ask him. If you don't ask him the right question, well, then he just keeps it all locked up inside. And that was already, you know, it's like, you know, I love the guy a bit. So he's, he's awesome. We met him a number of times over the year. I've got some cool memories, cool, cool memories of it, like in my Barbados and stuff with. But things like that are kind of like, was I prepared at the time? to make the most of what was going on at that time. Was I forward thinking enough at the time? And the answer is no to all of these questions. You know, I just kind of like swanned in and enjoyed the moment, drunk the rum and fucked off home. Oh, you know, and, and, and it was like, you know, I didn't, did we, did we do it? But it was, it was fun. You know, it got, what do you think you would have done differently? I think um, I say, I think in hindsight, I think I would have probably jumped electronic far uh, as well, like um, uh, YouTube or something like that far, far earlier in, in life and got people okay. on board. But I, I mean, that's an easy one to go back. I mean, I kind of like, I'm not, a um, sounds terrible. But it's only really during lockdown that I started watching YouTube in a big way <laughs> i don't know what kind of idiot i am i don't know you know just old school maybe but um but it's you know so i wish i'd done it i i, I and I, well, I do the last three christmases in a row i go like pete you really must begin the year get that get that website get get get, get a grip to it you know get on there and start posting again pete you really should you absolutely should people keep introducing you as pete the floating run shack and you're like people will be looking you're like what the hell is like what who is this guy you know there's a whole generation of people that have grown up and and wouldn't possibly even met us you know so it's um the nice thing about the rum world as was when we got into it was that, um, and it is still very much the case now, there's lots of bartenders that are very geeky and enthusiastic about yeah. the rum category. Mm -hmm. And the thing is you hang around in the booze industry for a while, the people that were even like barbacks become bartenders, become bar managers, bar chain owners or brand, brand ambassadors, ambassadors or whatever, you know, and you can feel and you hang around the industry long enough, you feel that people move through. And so the people that were geeky about it, you know, at the time you, you, you you, there was a sense of that sort of community and camaraderie about it, but we weren't challenging the rum world to the the depths that we, you know, that, that people do now. We, we dissect the rum world um, far more and it's trench warfare isn't quite the right <laughs> word. But, you, know, it, it, you know, it gets pretty vociferous. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and there were people back then who were very, very passionate about it. But we, we didn't seem to come up in our world quite as much. I mean, you've, you know, you there's um yeah, when I started, Mike Streeter of Rum Connection was was one of my big inspirations. Matt Robold, a rum dude, was a big um, tattoo carless of like um, uh, refined vices. They were the, the three websites that were mm -hmm. posting regularly that I drew a lot of inspiration from. I like what they were doing. And when we talk about Jimbo, I don't know what, I, I, honestly, I don't know whatever happened to Captain Jimbo. Uh, you know, he might have died of a heart attack. I have no idea. But like, you know, but you kind of knew you'd made it in the rum world when you got the email from him going like, well, you're either with me or against me, kind of, you know, like, <laughs> Dude, there's rum. What do you mean? Rum is fun. Like, what, 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 what
Yeah. So there yeah, were we talked, people. We that... talked quite a bit about him with uh, with Lance Surajpali from the Lone Gamer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I never. I. You know what? I know. I, when you get that email, you go like, "Well, I guess I've made it." But then equally, I didn't feel particularly <laughs> enamored in responding. It's like, yeah, screw you, whatever. <laughs> you <know? laughs> go, going back to what you said about people uh, weren't really challenging the rum world as much back then. Do you mean in terms of like? I mean, obviously now you see a lot of people challenging things in terms of transparency and things like that. Is mm. that kind of what you're referring to? Yeah. I think so. There was, um, there, you know, the, the, I could, you know, if I if I said the word sugar in rum or said, said that little phrase, there's so many ways that I can approach that now from the Pete in, the, uh, in 2022. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a sense of realism about what people respond to in the main, you know, the world of, of rum, world of any spirits is kind of triangular in terms of the geeky people at the top of the pyramid mm-hmm. that represent the, you know, they really care about it, the passionate people, but represent the sum total of fuck all in terms of volume sales. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And the people right. at the bottom end of the pyramid are the Malibu and pineapple drinkers or whatever, uh, you know, and right. they don't, yeah, yeah, shit. They're just out there to get toasted, you know, and, and, and in, in between everything in between, there's those levels of, caring and you know and we want the people at the top to sort of to drag others up we want to bring people on right you know but the this knowing they say it's that kind of going back to that thing is knowing what to say so th- there was a period of time when like you know when the sugar reveals were going on that i fell out of love with rum quite heavily you know and it felt like the whole world was lying to us when when you sort of dig just a little bit down you're like this is really bad it sounds like everyone's dosing their products and like what the you know what the yeah. and but of course this is only from the perspective of what you know at the time and the right. brands that you kind of work with yeah. and then it and then actually it didn't take too long to realize that actually when you dig past then you, there's a whole world of authentic rum producers out there mm. that have been making rum culture you know their country for hundreds of years of course, they don't need to bugger around with their products yeah they 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 know how to make great rum they know yeah. what it is you know and they just make what they make you know from a personal point of view, I've drunk stacks of Dibramago Reserva Exclusiva in my life. You know, genuinely, I don't mind admitting to it. You know, I can't mm-hmm. drink more than a glass of it now. But it's like, you know, you know, at the time it was great. It is what it, you know, it is. And, and there's there's a reason that they're in how many hundred countries around the world leading sure. with a particular expression. Yeah. Because we understand people. And the more time I spend working with brands, the more that my perspective whatever i whatever i say I, I, is being drawn to that side of it I, I i look from the other side of the bar or from the, the other retailer side of it and i always wanted to be the person on the consumer side of the bar that's always where i wanted my perspective of the wrong world to be but the last two years particularly because of everything that's happened because the, what i was doing before wasn't available to be out in bars doing tastings and stuff you sort of forces you to change and and just the, your relationship with the brands that you work with you know you sort of you look at it differently and and then there's a sense of realism it's like you know what great yeah fine this is this is kind of where we are and you know and spice rum is running rampant and everyone's calling spice rum rum well i wish they'd just call it a spirit drink but you know but there's a sense of realism to this whole thing it's like okay well maybe we'll be able to you know maybe we can convert some of those spice rum drinkers to actual rum down the line and you know and so you i don't know i can i can i can circle around from different angles and i have been called the uh the, the switzerland of rum on more than one occasion because i'm so <laughs> neutral more neutral than i really should be i kind of i know that um there are there are more people i know there are more people out there right now that are really into quality rum and they know the mark as a quality rum and you know the, there are folks that are relatively new to the rum world that can miss out all the hard yards of drinking all the bullshit and just go straight to the good stuff. You know what? And you're like, and there's a bit of me going like, well, they should damn well do their hard yards and, and know what crap 
rum tastes like before they can earn the right to, to drink good shit. But then you're like, well, why waste your time drinking crap spirits? You know, yeah. like, you know, if you know how to get to the good stuff, it's like, just crack on in, you know? And so that's, that's where I think anyone joining the rum world right now is in a much better place. And so I stopped blogging a while ago. I mean, I don't mind admitting it. I get my jollies really from uh, during lockdown, we were doing online stuff and you know, you have time. So you start doing Instagram lives or whatever you do, you know, I was doing some rum club things where you know, we're sort of selling rum sets via the rum bars near us and hosting online stuff. And it's, it's great fun, but I really get my jollies been out in amongst real people in a bar doing a rum club or doing bar training or, or whatever it might be. And, and that's kind of, that's kind of cool. And there is, you know, there's a, there's a great deal of apathy out there and there's a great deal of people out there that really still, you, you think they'll know they, they should know, but they yeah. really don't. You can, you know, you can spend your entire life. You always think you're always going to keep up in the audience, but no, there's a basic level of education that you just have to keep hammering home to people because there's a whole bunch of people come into the, the category. I mean, like you face it, like, I mean, <laughs> like every day, how many people turn 18, like what, 21 in the case of America, you know, yeah. they can illegally drink, you know? And so you've always got waves of people come into the category. Right. I, I, I feel like it's easier to try and grab the low hanging fruit to start with and get the people that are just coming to it you know, and, and try and sort of shape them if you can. And it's about balancing the, the wording without getting too ranty. I mean, I, do, I carry a soapbox around with me from time to time. So, you know, <laughs> you know, if you get the, you know, when you're doing a rum club and you get some people that are really passionate, I love the best rum clubs are when people ask questions or start a challenge back or whatever. This is fantastic because you just, oh, brilliant. Right. We can have a conversation about rum. You ask me anything, go on, you know, <laughs> like that, you know. And then I go the other time you sit there and there's like a mute audience and you're like, I'm not either. I'm not connecting with them, or right. I've, yeah. I've I've pitched it too high, or I've blown their minds, or quite frankly, they couldn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> yeah, you you kind of went through this a little bit already, but I wanted to kind of put it into the lens a little bit more of you being also a brand ambassador yourself. So flash forward from the floating rum shack starting in 2008, almost a decade, right? And you're now the UK brand ambassador for Foursquare Rum. Yeah. How how first of all, I guess how did that come about? And then oh my god, how, have you noticed between then and now a difference in how it's been received over there as one of the pinnacles of rum? You mentioned you know certain brands are kind of the, at the the high point there. So are the challenges still the same? Oh, I'll give the honest answer. I'll give the the slightly um digging myself up answer we got um i think i think the honest the, the, little, the honest truth is that um a little bit of both so you have the other situation where um uh, i jumped out of full-time regular nine to five work pension medical and all the rest of it to go full-time run because i felt like if i didn't do it i was never going to get the opportunity to and I, the life allowed the opportunity to do it if i'm honest i had a little bit of a financial um safety net a couple of years of it going like that. We've moved to the South Coast. Uh, I mean, I've known Richard Seal for, I don't know, 2000. And, I suppose I met him probably for the first time, 2009. Sort of knew him better, 2010. You know, and he probably thought I was an arsehole back then, just like some blogger trying to, you know, just, you know, also it, like, you know, but, but, you know, but you, you, you come to meet people over time uh, enough. And I realized the reason I was part of the reason you want to stop kind of working full time is because you hit a glass ceiling in terms of availability of time. There is only so much time. I, the, yep. I not a days of not a day of holiday uh, wasn't used for for the rum world. You know, begging an hour. Can I finish an hour early just so I can go into London for a masterclass or whatever? Right. You know, I'll work Saturday morning if you let me off on Friday afternoon. You know, you saw you begging and borrowing that. But so once you become free, then people approach you 
because they know you've got time to do projects. And it's a hard one because there's lots of people that would like to get into it, but you, you know, it's kind of a, unless you have a full plan, I, I left it without a, a, much of a plan. I think it was, it was a combination. Richard Seal's brand had, you know, Foursquare had built to the point where it was, it was building momentum and Richard has, the more you get, when you, when you really get to know him, you know that he's thinking so far in advance, mm. you know, he doesn't give a, like the, the next six months is kind of irrelevant next year, two year, five. It's a long-term plan. I feel yeah. like you have to be a long-term thinker to really thrive yeah, as right. a distillery, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you, and, you, and you have to, but it's, it's always, it's, it's, it's about the concept of where he wants to, to be. So it was, I think you, the, the, the honest truth is it's an experiment. I think I was, I was the first person that out and it's a, you know, it's, it's not like I'm an employee of the company. It, it's on a consultancy kind of, right. Right, you know, that, that kind of basis, but, but, you know, it's the first person he saw contracted directly out of, uh, of Barbados with a view to like, if the model works then that would be expanded to other places around the world. And, you know, all these years later, <laughs> he hasn't, he hasn't let me go yet. Um, and equally <laughs> hasn't employed other people yet. So I don't know, but then, it must you know, be working. it isn't, and it's a, well, it's a few, and it, I'm like, like, so that I, I hold no, um, I think we've done a lot of work getting the word out in the UK. It's not like it's a full-time role. It's part-time. There's more we could do within the bounds. And it was very much for just to, for doing training. So I don't know, like this, the, even the definition of what an a brand ambassador is to me has changed over the last few years because of, for all manner of reasons, actually, to be fair, mm-hmm. I think, you know, brand ambassadors at one point were people that went out and got people drunk in a friendly kind of way to kind of make them think better of the brand, um, as well as doing some education. Well, that's obviously changed a lot um, right. For, right. The, for the right reasons as well. You know, but it's a, I think it's the, the service combination. He wants someone who kind of was aligned in terms of the view um, and we take that passion on to, to bars and I have to work with the importers and distributors here in the UK and we go and do trainings and stuff. Richard Seals rums have been getting better and better over time. You know, interviews that you do with Richard puts the brand in front of a bigger audience, you know, and so th- lots of front the, the brand has been getting in front of more people. Richard Seal is completely right when he says that he doesn't spend massive amounts of marketing. Hey. He just talks about rum. Mm-hmm. And he'll put he'll spend a lot of money to take himself to New Orleans or to New York or London, where he might Spe- be. Speaking of websites, to talk about there's not rum. even a Foursquare website. <laughs> oh my god! I complain about it all the time. I, I we really need a Foursquare website. Oh <laughs> god! I mean, I've said we need a Foursquare. Like, yeah, but it's like you know, but no, 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 no. Like, let's have a source of information. But you know, is correct and approved because yes, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean to say it's true. Thank <laughs> like, you. That, that, I, I can't remember. We, we we were recording an episode recently or something, and I had been, you know, I wanted to look up a Foursquare release to like double check some information just to make sure I had it right. And I was like, damn it, I, I'm going to like three different blogs, and they're all telling me slightly different information. And I was like, this is where the Foursquare website needs to come in. <laughs> Because people look at the so the bullshit article and then just repeat it. It's exactly like, you know, right. it just keeps rolling on. It's like, yeah. oh, please, don't get me wrong. Right. Like, I'm, you know, Richard, <laughs> if you're listening, like, you know, we, we talked about this. Christian wants it. Yeah. We, 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 we want a, a point of reference. It'd be amazing if we could. Maybe we'll persuade him in due course. Yes. You know, it's like, it, like you know, he's the, the, you know, it seems to be working for him at the moment, <laughs> you know, right, without. Yeah. And so, like, you can't argue, you know, there's nothing the guy does that isn't working for him. You <laughs> can't, can't say he's been daft because he really isn't, you know, but we, you know, we're, we're in a position where we've got, you know, it's, you know, it's nice to have, I, I, I value the role in the UK. It gets me the opportunity to travel around and to meet people on behalf of the brand. Mm-hmm. The, my conversation about elevating how we talk about rum in general aligns perfectly you know he's given me the opportunity to go out and to bang on about why rum is quality why we need to change the language around rum you know all these things you know it's like i'm being paid to do what i want to do you know it's wonderful you know and 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 i and i I 
very, very grateful for the support he's given me over the years. And and hopefully this will continue. I mean, if it gets to the point where he wants someone full time, well, I, I suspect you'll need someone younger and degree more energy and probably like, um, you yeah, know, a few stone lighter. But it's, you yeah, know, but it's... Hey, um, don't, don't sell you yourself know. short. I love the energy you brought to the podcast so far. It's it's after 10 o'clock over there. You, That's right. You've had some rum already. You're doing great. Um, I, do, I think that's a good point, though. I feel like the forward-thinking brands are the ones that are out there doing as much education for the category as they are for really? their own brand. You have to. You've, you've got to. We've got to bring yeah. everyone on. It doesn't matter how big you are. And, you know, exactly. and it, the, 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 I think the, the, there's a lot of you, know, you can it depends where you want to spend your money. It's like, you know, I think like when you when you, you know, you follow Foursquare, you follow Richard, you can see there's a lot of investment in kit and equipment and things at the distillery mm-hmm. building for a genuine future. You know, the Masala cast that was on, you know, on Facebook earlier today, I saw like, we're not going to see anything out of them for a long, long time right. yet, you know, yeah, long, yeah. long time. And you could spend money on a global PR agency and a, and a marketing campaign, but that's of the moment, you know, and things like that, marketing campaigns have gotten just as quickly as they're, they're discovered. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's about, I mean, it's about some of the things that Appleton do, some of the things that Mount Gay do, you know, some, some new still, I look at it and go, oh, that's great stuff. You know, the things that come out of the, the Martinique or whatever, you know, there's some great stuff going on there, but you, it's very easy to spend money, spending money with a, a good return on money, you know, on your investment is more important. And this is, this is where Pete has gone from being uh, a hobbyist r- rum blogger to someone doing training loosely a brand ambassador more like a brand manager in thinking now it's like how do we get like you know where do we get an on investment because we could be at every rum festival we could you know i could be at every tiny little rum festival across the uk every weekend doing something and it costs a fortune right but what are we targeting what are we trying to do be realistic about the size of the brand you know and so actually it's funny how things honestly it's funny how things change and i don't know whether this is a good thing or not but i it's definitely an education you know, and I, I appreciate the, uh, the the relationships I have with like the imports distributors at, at, at Marussia and also Atom as well, because like because the Foursquare is one brand, and then the independent bottlers are a completely kind of different yeah, kind of brand mm-hmm. as well. Right. You know, um, you know, yeah. but it's still through all of that, I'm still the person who infuses to rum, and part of my art, part of the thing I'm doing is infusing to the people at Marussia and at Atom about rum. Because regular, some folks are just just have a day job, you know. They happen to be working in the booze world, but they're not as knowledgeable about, you know. It's a, we find that the the world of rum is the most misunderstood category, I reckon, like all over. You know, you'll get people that go, oh, "I'm very confident on whiskey or whatever," and mm-hmm. but they start to fall apart on rum, and it gets a bit vague. And you'll comment, and I was like, I listen to Carstens and, and yeah about. He's saying about, oh, people, the independent bottlers in the whiskey world. Well, they know about whiskey. And I like, and uh-huh. he made the joke about, like, oh, what's coming? Yes, they do know about. But, yeah, the, the thing I can say is that those people there are going like, oh, we'll get this from Panama. We'll get this from Nicaragua. We'll get it from that. And they kind of approach it. Oh, careful what I say at this point. But, like, they're approaching it from the, the degrees of authenticity, kind of like, you know, we from the run world, we go, well, I, I kind of instinctually understand that Hamden comes with more of a cachet than Nicaragua. Right. Say it like, <laughs> just, just say it quietly. If you whisper it, yeah, it's better. <laughs> you know, and and but the but the, you know, but then people are going like, but you but you can you know, but, but from an indie point of view, you know, I've been drinking some rum today from from Guatemala, and and, and it's lovely. You know, yeah, you know, a yeah. single cast from there is like some of these ones, you know, outside of the Solera system, untouched, just a nice aged expression of rum from from there. It's like it's perfect. So how right. it's produced. So I, I you know, there's sort of ups and downs in it. I, I do find that with people that whiskey people kind of instinctively understand rum better 
than some people coming from others, other categories. But, you know, but, but say everyone in the UK seems to be all about whiskey. And I know it's probably the same like in America. Everyone's about I mean, I'm in Tennessee. Yeah. It's yeah, that's, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're, but yeah, so we educating, educating, educating. Oh my God, that's all it is. It's just education. You know, yeah. we're just helping people to understand it. Yeah. You know, if it tastes like vanilla and full of sugar, well, it's probably not the best rum in the world. You know, let's, let's yeah. kind of start yeah. from that standpoint, you know? <laughs> Well, and you mentioned independent bottlers a little bit. So I kind of to fill out the rest of your background, if you will, or your positions and what you do, unlike with Foursquare, you're also involved with that boutique rum company, but you actually, I believe, help to select many of the rums that they release. So yeah. I imagine that's a quite a different gig. And you mentioned how brand ambassador is really a not a, a good title. And I imagine in these two ways, it's you're technically a brand ambassador for both of them, but they're very yeah. different. So how do those two roles kind of compare? Yeah, well, this is the, again, again, this is the thing. So it's it's one of those the, the sort of bonuses of of meeting people and 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 just you know you you have to be out there. You have to be put yourself in front of people. You have to be relevant. And sometimes you got to wonder, like you know, like, <laughs> people introducing you like oh, I'm all around rum expert Peter Holland. I go like, well, who the fuck that guy is? <laughs> like, you know, doesn't sound like me anyway. Um, but like you know, you meet people. But so you know, a, one relationship leads to a, that guy having a conversation with somebody else, and you get a call from that other person going like, well, we're thinking about starting a um, yeah boutique rum company. You know, or well, didn't didn't even say that. He goes like, hey, what are you doing next Wednesday? Do you want to meet us in town for a drink? So you get, jump on the training. Yeah, with um, with a uh, atom, and you, so you sort of go up and you meet Ben Nelson, and and you're saying well, we've got this plan coming, and you you know before you say anything, you're like, please, whatever's coming now, you kind of keep it to yourself, kind of thing. But we're <laughs> thinking of launching that boutique whiskey company, been going as just coming up on its tenth birthday this mm-hmm. coming, you know, in a few months' time. So they sort of engaged a few days a month just to kind of help bounce ideas off or to cast selection or like, you know, and, and, and he actually at the end of the, the kind of meeting got a gentleman's agreement to, to proceed. Um, and he gave me a bag of rum samples from main rum and go like, tell me why I wouldn't bottle all of these. Not like why, you know, it's like, you know, pick the good ones, but why wouldn't yeah. I bottle all of them kind of thing? And wow. so you sort of go through and so you've got like, you know, you got three from Panama, you know, and then you're like, well, I like this one, but these two, I don't like the balance. And in hindsight, a few years later, it could be that actually that it might be that they just needed water and time. Mm. And they might have opened up a little bit, mm. you know, this thing about sort of dealing with car samples is interesting. You know, a lot of them are too tight as they come to you. You need a, a smidge of water and a little bit of time to allow them to open, you know, but you, you get that. And so, you know, we're bouncing around, we bring some other ones to it. Like, you know, Orizinho, um Madeira was like one that we could bring to the table before pre-launch, you know, because of pre you know, relationships and stuff. So it wasn't, you know, we, I didn't want, if I was going to be involved with anything, you don't want an independent bottle up brand to be just a me too, like everyone else. Yeah. You want them to have the sense of, 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 of USP in the market. Yeah. And it needs yeah. to, it needs to stand out for, for a reason. So we were able to, so we were able to bring some things in and we didn't bottle, you know, didn't, didn't launch with everything. We launched with 13, very weird. I think it was eight on the night and then a, following seven but you know like the the company can move atom can move really quick when they want when they want to on the stuff anyway they kind of they launched um but at launch they said like do you want to you know have you got any more time a month to to give us from a brand ambassador point of view kind of thing so oh this is great you know if you want to you want to use me um because literally they take me to bcb for the first time in in um, berlin i've never been before always wanted to go but like mm-hmm. the, the week before we launched they took me to berlin and go like fantastic people want to take me to other countries brilliant you know this is like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah here we go <laughs> Yeah, know this is brilliant um and 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 it was quite cool um it didn't quite work out the way we thought there wasn't gonna be quite as many global uh, events as we we're going on i did travel i, I, I presented rum in singapore 
um, and and cool, to, to places and, and you know whiskey club there that was quite cool um, as well as Kuala Lumpur and places you know we've done stuff the the the, the view at the moment is very much um, a little different at the moment within particularly within the company but you're still most of what I do if I tell you what I've done the last like today has been project work based on the launch for the next themed launch we do quarterly releases so on Friday which obviously is going to be way before this actually goes live mm-hmm, but sure. like you know at the end of May Q2 launch is going to go out that's going to be wonderful but we're 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 starting to put together the sales sheets and things for the Q3 launch which will be the beginning of September and we're already planning for rums for Q4 Q and Q1 and Q2 in 2023 so you end up with a very long term view of the, the the boring elements of like conversations going like we can't get glass you know or mm-hmm. there's a delay on supplying glass and things yeah. very mundane stuff but you're also planning how you can group things together and, and what the story we're going to use to do it so today has been um writing up the the sales sheets to go to, ready to get to present to the sales team putting together the script that we're going to use that um, my whiskey counterpart and i will be running through because we always launch the whiskies and rums together so we have a oh, script okay. that we're going to then record the script and we'll end up with this little sort of 50 minutes to an hour compressed of him and i chatting about the rums and the whiskies so that then the sales team can watch it or the importers can watch it or around the world what if they want to if they then get a little snippet of these rums and as a consequence i have to drink say like five rum samples uh, and do some tasting notes before i went live today so if that's i am good. a little bit more loquacious then yeah. that's probably why <laughs> bonus points for saying loquacious during the interview. um i i do i have to ask do you ever get any input into the artwork on the labels so if someone wants to complain i'll just say no but uh, the, the truth of it is that um when it when the brand launched yeah um nothing i wasn't really involved with it at all at that point that was um ben was doing it and then it sort of changed and some of them were like like adam wyatt's done just a crazy the, the novo fogo is still one of my favorite kind of like salsa dancing on the front kind of thing um in the modern time i would say the last year or so i've pretty much had exclusive kind of they are my ideas that kind of find their way to the label so really? things have cool. changed around so i have i have a lot more so whereas before I was just on the outside. Now I'm, I am boutique rum, like you know, and I work with the team. Um, but like it's kind of like they sort of turn around and go like, well, what ABV are we going to do? Or what are we, you know, do you want to do that? Which ones are we going to choose? And so these are my choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that comes over or not, I don't know. I mean, it is still a team, and hopefully I'm being checks and balance and stuff like that. But you know, we want I, I want the the rums to tell a story, and I want them to not just be the me too's kind of releases that you could get from main rum i want them to have some other elements of it you know you know to bring in the bottlings when we've gone direct to producers you know and and it is nice it like say foursquare is a proper brand it might not be as big as some by like by the brand's own admissions but it is a commercial brand that's always available dawn is i mean whereas the indie stuff we're talking like a few hundred bottles and it's that's that's it you know (laughs) you know know, even the smallest i mean um the foursquare sovereignty that will be launching eventually finally in the uk so only 1200 bottles for Mm. the uk yeah, but like boutique, we're like we're not like a, a third of that, you know. Before right, we even, right, right. You, know, like, you know, and that's globally. So we're small fry in in, in many respects. You know, recently we've seen more distilleries, you know, creating and investing in their own house brands. Uh, yeah. Some cases there have been ones of distilleries backing off of bulk rum sales and things like that. Mm. Well, at the same time, we've also had it. It kind of seems like there's a new IB 
every month, um, especially oh, in places outside the the EU and the UK, mm-hmm. um, where you haven't seen them as much in the past. We're seeing a lot more of them, yeah. mm-hmm. and you've had this kind of experience now representing mm-hmm. both you know distilleries like Foursquare, and you have the IB side of things with yeah. that boutique rum company. And I just wanted to kind of get your take on where do you think IBs are going from here? And you also you just spoke to the idea of not wanting to be a me too release and i think that gets harder and harder with more and more uh companies getting into it so what do you see that separates a release from being you know just another one that blends in with everything and and what does kind of the future look like for the ib landscape so you know what i think there's um there are uh, people that have been doing it for a long time. You know, Carson's interview, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you, he would know. He's been there right all that time. Yeah. And, and you know, we even had a slight diversion, but even even Sheer, Sheer, you say, I can't, I can't say Dutch appropriately. Pro- I, I, I can't either. And, yeah, and I, my yeah. ancestors are Dutch and I can't do it. So <laughs> I haven't got enough phlegm. Um, the, the, um, even the, my relationship with them, you know, I've seen my observations of them, they've changed a lot over the last little while they've been brought into the limelight whereas they were very happy to be completely hidden right unmentioned to unless you knew if you knew you knew right. um but there is a, a you know they are they have they are operating under a new sort of commercial vibe um and the way they want to get out there you know what there are some really good people doing really good things for rum you've interviewed a few of them on uh from uh yourselves and there are people out there that just want to invest to make a buck yeah uh, i wouldn't go as far as to call them chances but maybe I'll just call them chances. I don't know. You know, it's like, and they, they, they don't, they, they don't have the interest, of the category, uh, the best interest of the category at heart. They just want to make a return on their investment. You know what? And that's business. You know, we're, we're not running a charity. We are here to make money um, in general. Sheer make it very easy. Main run makes it very easy. All you need is money. Now, uh, you know, and in modern era, there's, there's plenty of investors that out there they've got money who just like yeah oh yeah you want hundred thousand yeah we'll lend you hundred thousand so we can you know so we you know but i expect a certain return on my investment within mm-hmm. two years or whatever you know mm-hmm. um and that situation is not complicated you know and so if you want to get into it it's very easy to do it sheer make it very very easy to to put together a blend to put together a, a you know a, a, a get together a single cask um the only pressure we have on the modern era is glass just access to the glass but being that you know that's that's the small fry you can go it's like it's like you know making a gin brand you can start a gin brand very quickly buy your neutral spirit flavor it right, sell it right. you know you can and, and it's the same with spice rum and it's the same with an independent bottler you can put together that if you as long as you've got your capital in place because everyone get everyone forgets about taxes duty <laughs> and stuff like that you know but as long as you've got your money in place apparently it's very quick to get going and if you can do it with with the right intentions, it's okay. But you can say, so when I say me too, you know, Shear have a bunch of marks, that uh, main rum have a bunch of marks, sorry, that come out regularly, that, you, you know, and they're safe, they're easy. They're, you know, something from Demerara, you know, Distillers, something from Worthy Park, something from Barbados, from Foursquare, you know, these are all, they're, they're safe buys, safe sells, people are going to bond them, people getting into the rum world. Indie bottlers, I honestly, I never, I think I think before I joined the company, I think I probably only ever bought like one or two indie bottles because I only ever bought mainstream, mostly because I was poor. I still am for them. <laughs> 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 I haven't got the money to spend on, you know, but it's, um, I didn't spend a lot of money on indie and I got, you know, or Velliers, so dependent bottlers, you know, um, but, but they didn't sort of excite me because they were very generic in their presentation. There's lots of brands that are very dull. They're just plain label, blah, blah. You know, there's nothing, it, it didn't kind of excite boutique 
does you know kind of like it's love it or hate label. it <laughs> I, yeah, yeah love it or hate it and you get people telling you to your face they absolutely hate it and you're being a dick for like for for taking it all so like so lightheartedly <laughs> but you know what that that absolutely suits me i i get really sh- I, I can be very neutral but i do get very stroppy when people tell me i can't do something mm. like you know you can't drink you can't drink rum like that you can't put dolly's 14 in a sazerac like <laughs> you, you fucking watch me mate i'm gonna, gonna do it twice now just to piss you off um you know dolly's 14 in a Sazerac. Yeah, well, that style of cocktail is actually it worked. My tip, I think it works beautifully. That style of cocktail, <laughs> you know. So I think we, we want to bring it on. So like Velier, I hold in gold standard. I think Velier have done so much for the rum world, and you know what? They they weren't doing it a few years ago, but now they're doing it, and they really have bought the rum world on leaps and bounds. You know, and that that's what I would have. If I could have boutique anywhere near them, that would be amazing. But what can I do instead? So I, we can get some of our rums that are sure sells by we go to main rum and stuff. But you know. The, the bottlings that we've had, we've had, what, three bottlings from Madeira now. Uh, three, sorry, three companies from Madeira. I've had yeah. Isan. We've had Novo Fogo. You know, we've gone, we've got a whole bunch of craft distilleries around the UK. Ninefold, Jay Gow, Green I've Turns. You know, we've, we've gone to people. from Boutique as Blackgate. well that I don't see from other bottlers. <clears throat> might, 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 be, might be more coming as well. You never ah. know. You know, who, who knows what hmm. the, the, the next few months might bring. You know, it's like, and so that gives me the most amount of passion. It's a lot harder to do that. Eric K will tell you. Hmm. Like, it's a lot harder to buy and bring a few barrels across borders. You know, that's expensive. It's challenging. It comes with all manner of other ball ache. Going to someone like Main Rum, that bulk logistics from the Caribbean, they, yeah, they centralize, they bring it over, they make it easy. You don't have to deal with shipping containers, part right. container loads, you know? So when we, so Atom are our big company. Atom uh, own Boutique Rum Company. They own whiskey, gin, rum bullion, master and malt. It's a, a surprisingly large company, but they come with a team of people that, you, that deal with the logistics and import uh, export, you know, and so they have the ability to be able to do it. So as long as that, that remains, then we can go direct. And sometimes when you go direct, of course, you cut out the middleman, you save a buck, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not afraid of bringing like Orozinho, an age Orozinho to market, you know, even though it's a challenging sell. And so ooh, I think we're covering a lot of ground here. Hopefully we're keeping on track. The easy thing about just putting Foursquare, Worthy Park, Demerara in a bottle is that you don't need to worry about education so much on it. You can create a brand and you can just, if you can get it into a retail operation, yeah. it just kind of, as long as it looks appropriate, we buy with our eyes, it will sell. Having uh, as an independent bottler, if you do bring out Isan, like a you know, red cane, single variety of, of sugarcane juice rum, that takes selling to sell it. Yeah. You have to educate to sell it. No one's yeah. just in their right mind is going to pick that up without knowing a little bit about, you know, about what to expect or, or something. You might get a bit of a chance. But when the price point's actually kind of not too bad, then yeah. you, I think people will do it. So there's that trust. So if I can go, if I can go out, if I can be kind of like hold hands, be inspire confidence in fine ways of getting people to try it. You know, if I did a rum club, but uh, you know, there's a few rum bars in the UK that are really good. I did a boutique rum club a few weeks ago. The month before that, I did a four square one. It's like the most sick of seeing my face at, at the bar. You know, it's like you know, it's kind of weird. But you know, but you go there, you you hang around in the industry, you become somebody. Hopefully, that some people will trust. So if you say, like, I've got this and I think it's good and I'm not just turning up because I'm not just a salesperson mm. and this is what I'm targeted to sell. It's like, you know, no, I like this. You know, I wouldn't, if if I didn't like either of those brands, I wouldn't work with them. Like, you know, I, I need a buck, but, I, you know, I'm not, not that desperate. There are plenty of rum brands out there I would not be seen dead with. And I'm definitely not having enough rum today to start naming names <laughs> you know, like on a public forum. We want but- the list. However, the night is still young. So. <laughs> but before we, I guess we move on to some other things. One more thing about Boutique that I wanted to mention is that they put out rums in 50 centiliter or 500 milliliter bottles. 
I love that idea, especially oh for God. rare <laughs> and limited rums and for more expensive rums. I really, I, I, I do. I wish others did that too, because most of the time, you know, for a lot of those, I, I really just want to experience a rum, and you know, Ooh. that amount is plenty for me. And so I, I wanted to ask you if you were involved in that choice. It sounds like you were. <laughs> no, I, you know what I'd like. I mean, you know, you you were the first person to say, "Oh, that's great." And most people go like, "God, why in the full size bottle, you assholes?" You know, like I get <laughs> that I'll plus, so I'll much. Plus one, everything John just said, by the way. So that's <laughs> okay, at so least here, two. There's two. Yeah, of I'm us. in agreement. Yeah. Cool, brilliant. Well, that's two. That's, that's a nice one. That's, you've, you've doubled my enjoyment for the night already. Um, no, it's um. So like, so obviously, we have seventy CL um, is the default in the, in in Europe, right? Yep. So. F- 50 CL is kind of was always a bit of an iffy thing. It's a hang up from, from the whiskey days. I've never got a sensible answer for it. I think the reality of it is that if I look at it, if you look at it from a sort of commercial point of view, if you bottle 50 centiliter, you'll get more bottles out of a cask. Exactly. At a slightly right. better part, part price. Yeah, the unit price will come down. Right. There's still the fixed cost of glass and bottling line, mm-hmm. which 70 to 50 is not a lot of difference in glass. The bottling line cost is going to be the same, mm-hmm. but you can get more bottles and you can get it to more people. So I think when it is specialist, you don't need it. It's not like we're ever going to sell any of these in a, in a, a, a three liter handle. You know, it's not, it's never, it's not, that's not what we're going to sell in our rum and we're not selling that kind of rum. So it makes sense to have small sample ones. And and like we did very briefly, Boutique, you were kind of in America and hopefully the whiskey is going to be back, uh, you know, in a big way. I think some, uh, hopefully it'll be back. So we, we'd love some of the rum over here too. Heck yeah. So, well, well, yeah, <laughs> some of the rum got there. <laughs> we better not go now into how some of the rum gets you. over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Smuggler's Cove has a very impressive selection of stuff they shouldn't have, obviously. Just bleep that out. Just bleep that out. I didn't say that. <laughs> you know? okay. um, no, it's like, so the, of course, there was a demand for 750, and then like the bowls that were going to the US were actually 375s. Like, you know, for, so it's right. like, that's crazy small. I mean, like, oh my God. I mean, that's like sample size bowl. You know, we're going to do that in a, in a lunchtime kind of thing. I, I, I don't, know. I don't mind the 375s either. I, I remember either. When, when Stolen Overproof was out over here and they yeah. were in the 375. I love being able, I know you're getting less, but being able to buy a smaller exactly. amount at a smaller price, price um, yeah. especially right. if you're trying something new, like a limited exactly. release. Yes. To me, yeah. there's a lot of value in that. Or Kohana that's doing that, and then I can buy different yeah. types of the cane that they're doing right. and yeah. in 375s and then compare and contrast. I love uh. that idea, and I think there should be more of it, whether it's the 500 milliliters or the 375, whatever works. But I do love the idea of, like you said, you're stretching a little bit of what's in the cask, getting it out to more people. Hopefully, your price point's a little bit better. I just I yeah. feel like it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, your, your, your point on the Kohana is exactly, you know what? I love that, the idea of ch- comparing and contrasting. Because there's been a lot of stuff, and I guess this is the bit that um, Bellier with a great small bottle kind of initiative is perfect because actually there's a bunch of like kind of some of these high ester marks or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm too old. I'm not going to drink a bottle of DOK, right. like, not a full-size bowl. <laughs> I, you know, I value my internals too much to drink large <laughs> amounts of that stuff. I only need like 100 mil or 200 mil, you know? Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I want references because, yes, you know, I'm going to use it or when I'm playing around. I don't need full-size bowls. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's drinking DOK by like full-size bowls and multiples, dude, seriously, <laughs> really, like, you know, check your internals, man. You know, you know, you're not indestructible. <laughs> True maniacs. I've been there and done it. Don't get me wrong. I've had some There's of the some worst. There's fans out there. Yeah. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, going to over to, to education a little bit, you know, you've written and spoken a lot about sort of the pitfalls of understanding rum from category Ooh. classification systems to transparency and, and all of that stuff. If you could 
wave a magic wand and make anything you want happen with how rum is labeled or categorized or anything like that, what would you change right now? Um, I think the, the, I would try and get away from, you know what, it doesn't matter whether regular folks, consumers use white, gold, and dark particularly, but what I wish I could get rid of is the, the, the higher level in the industry, the distributors just default into it because shit trickles downhill. You know, they kind of yeah, like, yeah. people go like, we need a gold rum. You know, what do you mean a gold? You know, we need, you know, and, and the industry is, you know, you have that thing like, you know, you kind of, when you get to a certain level of like spirits, people talk about white spirits or dark spirits and gin, vodka on one side and yeah. whiskey and stuff on the other. And you kind of, you have to, you have a top level and that's okay do that. But then as you get down, it's like, well, like, why are we dumbing down rum from the very top of the distribution chain right you know right. We, like brands don't want to do it like you know foursquare doesn't write gold rum on their bowl mm-hmm. and yet you'll get to someone like a, a like a major distributor in the uk and they and they sort of artificially add in oh, this daughter's five-year-old gold rum and so they sort of you know if that's the if i could change it that would be it i i you know i i don't mind it if someone who's just coming to rum going like i like dark rum you know well, well okay well, that's fine we can have a conversation around that but it's the blind sort of willingness of they just don't want to change anything at the top. And that's going to be the real big hurdle. You know, I mean, like, you know, I love the Gargano classification. I think it's really awesome. I like, it gives me lots to talk about. And let's face it, if the whole world accepted it and took it on, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. So, you know, I need, the, I need a degree of ignorance in order to keep earning money. But they just, they don't want to. They, you know, they sort of, they play, some will pay lip service to it, you know. And the reason I, I mean, I, I say that, I, I, the reason I love it, because one is because hey, it's like, I'm, I'm agreeing with it. Richard Seal, like, was the one who validated it with, with Luca. He was the one who pushed on it. I kind of, I, I become a, a, an acolyte in that regard, but it makes sense. You know, it's like, I've got my corridor. I, I say this in all the times. I apologize to anyone who's heard me say it, but if I was to take you out to the hallway just over there, there are approximately 500 bottles of rum on shelving down there. And lots of it, there's nothing, No, there's no bad rum there. I've got a bottle of Captain Morgan Cannon Blast just for a joke as much as anything you know, <laughs> just for fun it came with a it came with a uv light to because it's glowing <laughs> dark kind of thing which is just like yeah but why why wouldn't you throw in a uv uv light but there's nothing but there's the vast majority out there is not what i'm interested in you know uh, you know i you know, if i wanted something again you, you can use the gargano classification to, to make a far more meaningful collection of rum that takes you on a journey of rum and so it's that mindset that i take when i go to bars when you go into to people it's like there's no you could have a rum bar that's got 500 marks of rum from puerto rico nicaragua and panama and dominican republic and you haven't really got a lot of variation in actual like, the core sort of characteristics of the rum right. you know you, you you could you could easily chop that down to to a few bottles and then pick up rums from other places and you then get the diversity with it and if you get that if you reach the point where you kind of understand that then i think you understand rum yeah because you understand that the, there is i mean this is the nice thing about being with the indie bottler right so like you know the one of the fastest selling rums we had we, we launched with a belize rum and it sold really really fast mm. and i think the realism is that it, it just you know it kept you know it was an evocative location people go there on holiday all the time they know it they're familiar with it but it's easy drinking it's not a challenge you know right. and you can you can drink one and you can go back for a second and that's right. kind of where that sort of lighter style of distillation plays into no challenge you know it's not and it's safer it's a little easier you can gift it with less thing you know no one's going to gift a bottle of like hamden c diamond h right like and you know unless you really know that person unless they're buying me a <laughs> you gift have yeah. to really know it, you know <laughs> uh, you know so there's there's a degrees of risk and so so but you, you know if you're building that selection you're building a collection on the back bar 
you're building it, you know, in a portfolio or in your own collection. These are the things you, you, you haven't got a collection unless you've really got, you know, a sort of sense of diversity with it. And so it's kind of, it makes, for me, it makes sense to kind of get it. And until somebody comes up with a better solution, anyway, I mean, like, it's Gargano and regionality, it's a combination of both for me. Why do you think that distributors are so resistant to that change in the first place? I mean, do you do you have a theory? They, just, is- they don't care. They don't care enough. So it's it's just laziness. Yeah, I th- honestly, I think it is. Is because the people in the right place actually don't care enough. Because I mean, so if you look at, um, it's not to the level of AOS, but you look at what the whiskey exchange with Dawn, um, yeah, they they put in, they keep their gold dark selection. You can go to the gold selection mm-hmm. of rum, but then there's a different layer. But if you are looking for, you know, pot still or whatever, of course, because they're a retailer. Because at the time, speciality brands, speciality drinks were kind of were, were linked before the sale because they represented diplomatico and things. You have to find. A space. So, in addition to the Gargano, you then kind of include a few other little sort of catch-alls. So, right. rums in that Sweden style are, are able to fit within. But that's all right because people are looking. You know, the like I get this a bunch. If you're if you're looking for a spice rum and the brand doesn't market itself as spice rum, but it is, well, then you're missing a trick of a sale. You yeah. you have to categorize yourself so appropriately so people looking for you can find you. If you don't. You missed. You really are missing rule one, aren't you? You know, (laughs) those color-based categories are so ingrained in casual consumer knowledge too. Yeah, they they think, oh, the types of rum. I I know there's white rum and there's dark rum. And you know what? And I I can't. I do. I get it. It's only. And it is when you drill down that you start to you you with a bit of knowledge and you drill down, you undermine it. Yeah, you know, like right, you know, right. you, you the Dooley three was Wardy White, uh, Water White at one point. Now it's like pale gold, right, but like right. you know, what, what are we asking for? And so it's about function, you know. And I say Diplomatica with a pla- the the, the six year old white, and now it's the planners kind of thing. You know, it's like you've got these age expressions that like color strips are completely like you blow people's minds. Why would you do that? No one's going to do that in whiskey, are they? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, we are, rum world is just so unique. <laughs> so, someone sent me, I forget which company it was, but it was a tequila brand that is selling it aged and filtered tequila, um, which I didn't realize. I don't know if that's a prominent thing in tequila. I'm a tequila novice, but my understanding was that's not a common practice. Um, and it was being no, kind of interesting. touted in marketing languages, like being even more premium. Um, because, and I forget what the brand was, but I remember seeing it being like, huh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Although, you know, another category dealing with its own yeah, uh, additive uh, mm-hmm. controversies as well. Trying to borrow more from rum. So, oh my God, you know what the bit the, the bit that worries me with that one. I'm I'm sort of jumping ahead to somebody else's category, but they're going to go something that's going to be overage. So all that vibrancy of a, a nice peppery, spicy agave is going to be lost to to time in barrel, and then it's going to be color filtered. It's right. going to be neutral as fuck, isn't it? Let's face it. Like you know, I've, I've jumped ahead Probably. to what it, I've no yeah. idea what it tastes like. You know, a nice reposado, wonderful. Uh, you know, an aged and color filled. Oh God, that's going to be neutral. That's dumbing down drinking. Like, and there's so many brands that do across the, all the categories that dumbing down of drinking just to make it seem, you know, and this is a, it's a marketing thing. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to appeal to a wider demographic. I don't know. We, we, they're all manner of levels. And, but you know, I, I think we can do a lot from the top. It will trickle down more easily if, if people at the top level ch- make some fundamental changes. So Peter, I wanted to ask you if you have some kind of tips. I, I, I actually, I guess I need your help a little bit because uh, I haven't even told Will this yet, but I had a few people over this weekend and um, we broke out uh, some of my rum collection. And I tried to, as as they were rum novices, and I'm trying to, you know, put forward all these interesting things that I love about rum and get it over to them to make, you know, help them get it. And I failed miserably. 
<laughs> at this and you know a lot of times and then i look back and i'm like well i'm an idiot because i'm giving them you know like 59 abv or 63 abv rums neat mm-hmm. and like i i just i don't quite know how to pull my own excitement out of it enough and give to other people what they need to try to see the light so i wanted to ask you as an educator and a person who does this a lot what are some tips that you could give me that would help me out Oh man! So you know what? It's 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 that reading the room thing is is very much there. And so if if people are already drinking spirits, then that's okay. Like you say, you can pull out the higher proof stuff. You know, the times when you pull out something that's sixty percent ABV, and you see the look of fear on people's faces, and they're like they're terrified to put it in their mouths. And yet, like you know what? And again, you, I make light of this when I when I do the sort of chats and stuff. I mean, I don't get out of bed for anything less than forty six percent. I've I've drunk stuff straight off the still, you know. It's like ninety six percent doesn't worry me particularly. It's a bit warm in the mouth, but you know, hey, I'll go for it. You know, notice a um, slight tingle. Yeah. <laughs> Free ounce of heat. So if people are starting, you know, and I, I kind of listen. My daughter's teacher. It's slightly different. She goes, yeah, we had that, how it came out of the school gate was like, oh, yeah, I work in the rum world. Oh, I love rum. She says, I really like spice rum. And you're like, okay, right. But that was, I've learned something from there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so if like, you know, if we send her a Christmas bottle or whatever, you know, you know, Christmas present by Rebecca, it'll be a spice rum, you know, like we'll keep it simple, whatever like that. But like, you know, we have friends, we have friends who are kind of, you know, oh, I've got plenty of bottles of spice rum I can get rid of that, you know, <laughs> as well. Um, she, she definitely won't be listening. So, so it's reading that room. It's um, what people are after. If people are, are drinking mixed drinks, well, then the, again, there's no point in going high. You know, if, they, if their default is to have it over ice, then like, you know, then they're probably in a, in a much uh, in a early stages of their journey kind of thing. I'm lucky now that I, you know, when we have folks around, I don't have newbies so very often around the, the around the house. But you know, I, I want people to be comfortable. I want them to to feel like that whatever, however they're enjoying it in the first place, is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's very important. I think that, that that the degree of trust. I mean, like you know, I don't don't mind. A, I'll say it out loud. When when Richard talks about his rums he doesn't particularly like people adding water to his rums because he's already done the hard work of, of <laughs> blending and setting the abv and stuff <laughs> but you know between richard and i we don't agree on absolutely everything it's like you know if, if it makes someone happy to have it over ice or with a, a splash of water you know what knock yourself out because you need to be happy with it yeah. um yeah. so like yeah so i, I guess uh, body language like if they're if their eyes are starting to glaze over shut the fuck up <laughs> like yeah we're, 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 you know they really don't care whether it's the two-day fermentation or a week you know like yeah. you know and did they give a shit to start like who you know who brings that sort of thing up monster you know who, who starts those conversations <laughs> let's say there's there's cues i mean like i'm i'm generally you know, I the, even even doing bartender trainings is no guarantees of just how it's going to go. You know, it really isn't. I did a, I'll name drop. I did a, a, a one at Claridge's, and it was the most engaging. And it, it, it everyone was asking, and it was fantastic. I come out of there feeling 12 foot tall you know i felt engaged i felt enlivened i felt like i was i'd done everything the brand could possibly want from me you know i felt so good and then other times you sit there and you've got like the one bartender that was there and they've pulled out like six members of the the floor team just to make up numbers because they felt like they needed a few extras you know and it was like no one asked any questions or whatever like that and it didn't matter i didn't need the floor team because they didn't care i just i could have just sat there and chat with a bartender you know that would have been enough you know, I only I only need to talk to the people that I need to talk to. Don't 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 create a scenario to make me feel better. That just makes me feel worse. You know, <laughs> but then like some some folks go out, they got metrics, and you know, I don't my I, <laughs> my reporting system with Richard is very informal. Um, <laughs> 
there's a few people there. <laughs> um, you know, like, like, you know, he follows me on social media. He knows where I've been. But like, you yeah. know, but I don't need to report back and say, like, I, it doesn't matter whether it was like three people in the room or, or 20 as such. The more people, the better, because if you want to get them brand out, but it needs to sure. be meaningful. And so actually like traveling up, like yesterday I was in, I went to um, right out into the countryside where we are, relatively speaking. I mean, you know, what your views of the UK is, but, you know, there's lots, large amounts of countryside and, you know, and you can, you can drive for hours and, and not really, you know, there's one one place that you're going to. Mm-hmm. But you go there, I was there for two hours and it was great. It was engaging. It was wonderful. And it was well worth the, the, the time traveled. But that's because you know when you get there, you're talking to somebody who wants to receive you. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, you could do a, I could do a, 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 you know, I could get the local pub could call me down and say, Pete, come down and do a, do a rum tasting for our, for our regulars. You know, I've, 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 this is the situation. You get down there, genuine, a genuine story. Not long after I moved down there, come down and do a, do a rum club. You get down there and you're like, okay, cool. What rums have we got to work with? And I've got like six rums. Okay, so these are the rums we're going to be working with. Not very inspiring. Oh, and normally we do gin clubs because this is a gin pub. Like, oh, oh great. Well, oh, uh, yeah, God. so this audience is going to be really switched on to rum to start with. <laughs> then, uh, yeah. So the four people that turned up couldn't, you couldn't really give a shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a long way of <laughs> read the room. <laughs> know your audience, John. Know your uh, audience. You know, I try. I just got to pull myself out of my own excitement and uh, <laughs> read the enthusiasm. room a little bit more. Yeah. But the enthusiasm is, is something that I that I hope that people get excited about and actually you draw people in yeah. and you do want to switch people onto it. And if we don't mm-hmm. all talk about rum in a positive sense, that positivity won't rub off on others. So right. we have to, we have to do that. We, we have to be that person. You have to have a, it was, he told me moons ago that, you know, when you come out of a rum club or a presentation, if the audience didn't understand 10% of what you were talking about, that means you're probably getting about right. Because actually, if they all understood it, then you're pitching it a bit too low. You know, if you feel like you want to be challenged, you want to be taken on, you know, and there's the the degrees of it. So, you know what? I reckon some of the folks that you might have, like, they might have been glazing over a little bit. But you know what? Three months time or whatever, they come back and you're like, actually, there's there's something they said or whatever, you know, something you said. And and you will have made a connection and it'll only make sense a bit further down the road. So. That we, did happen we, we to me have, once, We give our actually. time freely. Yeah, there was somebody that came back over to the house and they asked me again for the Savannah High Esther reunion rum. Oh, and wow. I knew, I was like, hey, something must have, uh, you know, a light bulb went off there because if they're you asking have made a, that, You've converted a rummy there. Yeah. Like anyone coming back. I mean, that's like, that's serious booze, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, must, don't do it lightly. something's working. Yeah. I want to shift a little to distilleries you've been to, places you've traveled. Uh, you, you spoke a little bit. Uh, earlier about some of the Madeira releases from that boutique rum company. And I know, judging from your social media, you recently returned from a trip to Madeira. Uh, Madeira. It looked like you visited several distilleries. And that's one of those locations that I think is a little lesser known in the rum enthusiast yeah. world. And the distilleries are a little lesser known, but I think there's excitement around mm-hmm. a place like that. So I wanted to just get your take now that you've kind of been there and, and been to a lot of these places in person. What kind of stood yeah. out to you during your visit? What what Madeira distilleries do people need to know about? Just, just kind so, of enlighten yeah. us a little bit. I, I guess so. I, I guess I'm blessed to have been invited on a number of trips over, you know, trips to Guatemala, Cuba, Haiti, and, you know, all manner of places I've been on sponsored trips and they've been wonderful. And it kind of, you, when you travel, there, there are, I know there are rum bloggers out there um, and viewers and people that haven't traveled and you can offer opinions on anything. Opinions are like ourselves. Everyone's got one, but the, um, it, it's, and so you don't have to have seen it, but I think if you have been and seen it, it gives you a sense of perspective for the country itself. Mm. and what the local people are doing and how they respond to the local brand. And I think, you you know, it's like 
does it matter what somebody in like in England, you know, what they think of a brand versus the, you know, half a million people who are drinking it back in the home country? Right. You know, it's like if they're drinking it, enjoying it, that, 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 you know, you understand why people do what they do. Yeah. You know, and what we think about over here for a few hundred cases a year is is, is irrelevant kind of thing. I got a, I, I was very lucky to, to be invited on the first press trip that um, Madeira government put on. Um, there's a few folks from across Europe went on this thing and I knew of Madeira rum and the loose very lightly because we um, got friends um, who were running a tiki, uh, sorry, running a company up in um, uh, Manchester, graphics company, went on to build a tiki bar in Madeira. They moved back out in oh, Carla was cool. Madeira and um, went with a, a, a partner out there and they built a tiki bar. But like they, they give me a little gift pack of like the, the main sort of brand on the island. And I tried it and it was very early in my kind of like, you know, my, my love of agricole has changed dramatically over the years. You know, I, I picked didn't that up and going it. back. I went way back through your history of interviews, and I saw the evolution of uh, oh. of the rums that you appreciate. And I saw the moment <laughs> where you converted to agricole. Um, but I think that's really cool because I think I, I think when you are a personality within the rum space, when you're putting out content about rum, there's kind of pressure to say you like everything. Um, yeah. But sometimes it takes time to acclimate <sighs> to a certain, you know, style of <laughs> I rum. I did not rum. get Chester yeah. or Agricole. I didn't get it when I first tried it. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing, and this has kind of led to who I am, is because I want those first tastes for other people to be a little bit guided so you understand what to expect. And it's not going to taste like Captain Morgan, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> you know, and, and these are the reasons why. And you'll either get it or you won't. And I love it when people say, I don't get agriculture. It's like, you don't, don't, yeah, I'm just going to keep working on you. Yeah. I will keep working on you. You will like it. It's uh-huh. like you've been caught by your dad smoking. You're going to finish that packet of cigarettes, my friend. You know, there's going to be exactly the same with that bottle of agriculture. We're going to finish that together. Um, but no, so they, so I knew about, but I have to say that the, the Kalita distillery that I tried, it's like, well, it wasn't wonderful. You know, I couldn't really, I, it's like, it was a bit rough. And I didn't really kind of get it. Um, and for a few trips, so I think I've been to Madeira six times. I've seen to all the distilleries a bunch. I, the, the last trip was very much a flying visit. I wasn't going to go. I couldn't afford it. And then I got like, I was almost being shamed into it. And I just did it. I, I, you know, that's what credit cards are for, right? Um, and I went, for me, I'm very lucky because it's like, it's only a four hour flight from the UK. Um, it's very quick to get to. It's not particularly expensive. And I was put up by um, friends when I was out there. So you're going out with a different vibe because you've already done the groundwork of understanding distilleries. And so with each, I mean, this is my, like everyone's journey in the rum world is you have one set of questions at the beginning. And then the more time you spend in it, you find new questions to ask right. and, the, and your development in the rum world and anything is always about finding your next level of questions. So, and you realize how much you don't know, you know, and you, and you, you, know, you keep moving on. So with this last trip, it was like, really, it was just conversational, you know, and to see what was new, to taste what was new, to see where people are getting to, and you can feel that the country's moving on. But that idea of like now, like that first rum that I didn't like, the Cleta Distillery, the white, the, the ubiquitous kind of red and yellow kind of label that you see uh, all the tourist places, you know, now I really appreciate it. It is a bit dirty. It is a bit rough and round the edges, and it's a bit and invariable. And you know what? Actually, I really like it because it's got character, and it kind of sums up everything. You know, it's there. And it's not to say the other rums are bad, but I can appreciate the qualities of this. But you, but you don't want to get it out there. But Madeira is a country that's been buggering around with sugarcane since the 1500s or the yeah, 1400s. Wow, long, long time. You know, flocks of a kind of killed off the the the, the sugar industry for a bit. You know, um, I'm sorry, the the, the winemaking industry. Yeah, that had sort of come to the fore. And so the cane came back again. I think ultimately the, the economics of um, Brazil becoming a big sh- uh, a big sugar producer sort of knocked the industry on the head. And then the final industry, the final thing for the sort of the sugar industry in Madeira and the rum, uh, ultimately the rum industry was um, the fact that um, when the Portugal joined the EU, 
and there was an open market situation. And so they were forced to accept imported sugar for, for cheaper prices. Oh, and so the sugar yeah. industry collapsed in Madeira based on the, the demand of free trade. Um, and so it really, a whole bunch of sugar places closed overnight. And so it had a big impact. But, they, but, but rum and sugar have been around for a long, long time on the island, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the Madeira government said that um, they, they sort of gloss over the fact that um, there's lots of moonshining and, and kind of going on on the island. And there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of people make their own wine mm. on the island. And it's yeah. just a thing that happens. It's a very Portuguese mindset to like, fuck you to the government kind of thing. We're going to do, we're just going to do. It's like the same in Portugal. It's the same in Brazil. It's like, you know, the people do what they want to do. They, they, you know, the government aren't going to tell them otherwise. So they say rum's only been around for a couple hundred years or whatever. It's been around a lot longer than that. It's been, cane's been there for a long time. Yeah, as people long as the sugar cane's been there. As long as been distillation's been. Yeah. yeah, people have known about distillation for ages. You can go to a hardware store in Madeira and you can buy a little copper alambics off the shelf in a hardware store. Really? Like, why would you have the ability to buy little copper Olympics just <laughs> off the shelf if you weren't using them? <laughs> you know, like, you know. <laughs> it's a lovely decoration. <laughs> yeah, you know. But these are the things I kind of like, you know, you, you I generally, I, I, I value it. I mean, I, I, it's the, the one place that I'm surprised that Luca hasn't explored in a big way that Velia haven't done anything with. I think Luca went to, to Madeira, he, he said, and he, he didn't have a very good experience of authentic spirit. And a lot of the producers on the island are quite big in comparison to there's a lot of the places like in Cape Verde that he would be all the Haiti or that he, he that he values, you know, the little Mezcal brands that he values. I am still surprised they haven't done it. And I, I'm sh- I, hopefully they will uh, at some point because that would then bring Madeira onto a much bigger map. But you know, I, I, I absolutely fell in love with it. I, 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 my, my love for agriculture over the last little while has grown and grown. The, the spirit as it comes off the still is the pure, there's nowhere to hide with a pure distilled yeah. spirit, you know? There's literally nowhere to hide. If it tastes amazing off the still, it's probably only going to get better with time and cask, you know. And and you know, and so that's that's kind of where I am taste wise. And there's so many cool people doing stuff. And then the island itself, I mean, like Mauritius is another island. I really want to go to Mauritius, but Mauritius is one of those places where there's so much diversity of rum styles on the island that you just kind of—it's like it's a little industry within its own right. It's a microcosm of the entire world of rum. Yeah, Madeira's like that, but they just don't use molasses. I mean, they could uh, use the real Canya. If, if you find any molasses from there, it's also well. They, I mean, they can. You can buy molasses and bring it in. And it's like I, right. you know, I, I, I kind of—I'm not sure quite exactly what the relationship with the government. But you couldn't, you know, it, it's it's funny. This last trip was very much about the politics. Is not quite the right word, but the the relationship between the producers and the government and between what you can call Madeira rum, you know, and they honestly, the, the island of Madeira, the people on Madeira, they don't know they've been, they're born. They're so freaking lucky that they've got a quality spirit, flavorsome spirit at a fantastic price. You wouldn't believe how cheap it is on the island. Oh, wow. You know, and they, 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 well, the producers sort of quite rightly sort of whine about the price of cane, you know, it's stupidly expensive in comparison to the rest of the world. And yet they're still making a really price thing. And the, and the nice thing I'd say about Madeira and the bit they don't realise also that, that that protects them is that the if um, the, the the board that, that look after um, fortified wines, table wines, and and rum and embroidery, <laughs> I, you know, as a, embroidery. as a side, yeah, embroidery. <laughs> like, that was random, but you know, this department that looks after it has tasting panels that guarantee, you know, it's it's like. It's like, you know, so you can't just release a, a, a Madeira fortified wine and just call it Madeira wine. In order to, to pass, it has to go through a tasting panel that have to certify it. And it's kind of like, you know, Madeira, I mean, sort of like Agricole in Martinique and that kind of vibe, you know, that there's a protection for the category built yeah. into it. Now, yeah. the protection is not necessarily as flexible. There's some stuff, you know, I tried on the last trip that was perfectly acceptable rum, and yet it failed the, the tasting panel because it didn't taste like 
this idea of what Madeira rum should taste like. Oh, interesting. Um, and so it was outside of that. But like, you know, I, I can tell you that loads of folks around the rest of the world would be like, this is great rum. I would yeah. happily drink this. I'm, I'm here to tell you, most people would love this. It's fantastic. You know, so there's Madeira's like this, this market that has been involved with rum for centuries, sugarcane for centuries, yet has just realized they have a very marketable product that they've been doing very well. And it just takes a few folks you know, I mean, there's 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 a few agricole lovers in America, and if we could just get some of those across on the next like rum festival, like next, you know, there's like the first, it's like invariably the first um, weekend after Easter, come across and experience it. The rum festival itself is something you can do in an afternoon. There's no real, because it's just the local producers, not lots of other imported brands. But you come over and see it firsthand. You know, it's that thing, like you, you know, circling back to what I said earlier on. I don't have to go to Foursquare to appreciate Foursquare, but when I'm walking up the, the the road and you've got the sun on your back and you smell the molasses and you're the age now, all these sort of little evocative things make the whole experience so much more real, you know, and you, yeah, you, yeah. you feel it. And it's this, like, you know, when you walk up to Hamden, like you, you're driving down like on the, in the minibus and you're hang on a minute, this, this smells a bit different. <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. It's like, oh, wow, hang on a minute, you know, and, and you get that, you know, these, these things you, you need people to go to and then you, we need, yeah, Madeira, the, the, the government need to invest in a few more folks. They invested in me and they I've I've had um bless them, Diplomatico took me to, to Venezuela for a cocktail competition just as I was kind of falling out of love with the brand. Mm. You know, I like it. I I res- every respect for what they do, but I don't drink it now. You know, if they'd invested in me a few years earlier, then I might have been a lot more vocal about the brand. You never know. <laughs> um, but it was like it was a fantastic trip. I value it greatly. It, it told me a lot about it. We need a few folks to come over and get to see the the, the sort of the honesty of the yeah the Madeira rum producers. They they can't make bad rum. Like if they tried, it'd be like it's like yeah they, they just there's a basic inbuilt honesty. Nova de Madeira were there on the very first trip, and like I you know I hadn't seen their main copper still they got, and there was this little column set up to to one side, and it's a it turned out afterwards it's a pack column and stuff you know quite small. And I go, so I point to the to the guy in charge, like is that that's where you make the rum? And he looks at me like no, you can't make rum on that. That's what you make the vodka, you idiot. You know, and I think, like you didn't say the idiot, but like his look on his face is like. Make rum on that. It, right? It's like it's a, like that's stupid. Like, you know, like you know, they've got this like sort of twenty plate copper column set up that's making this most amazing spirit, like a hundred year old still, and it like you know they, they don't sugar it. They don't do it. There's a, there was a, even like the Maduran um, GI, you know, previously had a, an allowance for beneficiado, which is the, the 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 rums that are sweetened with a meal de caña, you okay. know, and it's named. You know, if you're buying a bottle of, and it's got Beneficiado written on the front, it's a sweetened style. Imagine it says that. right there on the bottle. You know, you, you can't miss it. It's a style. If you like it, you, you buy it, you drink it. That's what you like, you know. Um, of course, they, they they dropped it because of the EU changes on additional sugar um, right. like the other year. Yeah. So they actually dropped it. So you can't even make it now in Madeira. So you can't even make sweetened Madeira rum anymore. It's just not even a thing now. You know, there's a, there's a basic honesty about the place. There is, say, there's that that kind of, the, the, the whole thing with the GI and the other other places like Barbados and how they do it. But like, they've, they've gone for a very protected flavor style mm-hmm. but how you distill is entirely up to you it doesn't matter like you know there's that, that that's completely open as long as the flavor represents what they think madeira rum should taste like and that that, that might have to loosen a little bit but it's fascinating past the tasting panel hmm. hey, you know the, the ta- honest to god i got that i went on a previous trip I, I i saw the sheet that they use for the thing and there's grading the bottom grade is mediocre is how it's described <laughs> nice. why like there's all these different levels of exceptional uh, uh, you know 
acceptable, exceptional, mediocre. Can you imagine being judged as mediocre? Your rum is mediocre. <laughs> I mean, like, that would be the most damning thing you can ever get back on. A do, you know, do you know how they make up those panels? Um, generally, it's experts on the island, so people within the government, but also recognized people. Okay. Um, so it's, um, it, I think, it, honestly, I think it's fascinating. I, I, yeah, I love it. I think it really protects, and I would love to see some of that uh, going. Uh, other pla- other islands, other places, Barbados could never go to that point. They, they, they could never get to that point. And you know what? Maybe they don't need to. You know, Frank mm-hmm. talking about the the pride, his comment on, um, you know, does it need a GI? You know, I, 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 I kind of agree with him in, in some respects. Like Barbados has a reputation for making excellent rum that's born out of centuries of production. You know, do they need a GI to reinforce it? Barbados will continue to make excellent rum, even if some of it's a bit shit. But like in, in the whole, most of it's going to be fan. Yeah, it's fine. It's fantastic. The GI in, 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 in Madeira is very different in the way that it protects and does it make? And again, does it does it matter to folks in general? It gives people like me and geeky people who want to go there and find out about it. It gives you a mechanism to talk about and to understand Madeira and rum and, and the rest of it. But the last few trips have been more about you get that on day one, first trip, and then on subsequent trips you go and you're like and you see how then how it relates to and the the problems they have. Or yeah, you know, this last trip was literally just talking about what the future is going to be but we're in a position where i I diverted massively from where i got i was gonna say we've got a country that's been dealing with sugarcane for centuries they've been probably been making rum for centuries their rum 95 percent what they make is unaged because it's for the local poncha market but it's quality juice it's amazing even even like the most rustic stuff from from colita distillery i think in the morning i think it's wonderful actually i think it's really good i've kind of like it more and more they might be in danger of trying to clean it up a little bit too much, the, some of the other producers. But they don't know how to age. Uh, they don't lay down lots of stuff. Hmm. They haven't got a long history of aging rum because they drink so little aged rum that, that they just sure. haven't got good at it. So right. what we've got, what, you know, the next few years, I think Madeira are going to need a consultant to go over and help them with aging. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't, no one producer's got enough casks to employ somebody full time mm-hmm. to be monitoring and master blendering. So they're going to need someone to come in on a consultant basis. And so that's going to be the next 25 years. You know, I, I kind of hope that I live long enough to see when, you know, I mean, some of the, don't get me wrong, some of the aged rum is great. You know, it's lovely. It's it very, very drinkable. Like I've got no problems with the rum, but they're not quite in that, like a bottle of JMXO is, right. you know, or HSCXO. I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some good shit there. That's everyday high quality drinking rum. Madeira are nowhere near to be able to produce anything like that. Mm-hmm. Not not for a long time yet. You know, they've got to they've they've got to loosen up as producers, they've got to trust each other a little bit, they've got to gain more experience and they need people to come in and do it. So I I find it so very exciting to be there and watching it right now. I'm I'm yeah. I feel blessed I got invited. If I didn't get invited on that trip, I probably I would have gone anyway. So I've got friends who are out there, but it got me in at the ground floor, as it were, and now I'm in this fantastic position where I can watch things play out for the next hopefully. 25 years hopefully i last that long i think that's one of the most exciting things in rum is when you hear about a place that has its own tradition um and just isn't that big in the export market no just being being able to watch watch how it evolves and and everything is always interesting so i just say nick ferris if you're listening get off your ass mate we know that you're going to bring a brand in just get in and make it happen we know it's gonna of all the people it's gonna be it's gotta be nick you brought us rum fire so bring us madeira rum now right yeah he loves nick loves the island he he, you know he's just gotta just gotta get off his ass and do it you know um but there are people that none of the brands on the island 
the big, see, this is the, the problem with the American market, uh, I, I think, is because of the size of it. Yeah. You know, that you, you have to go in with a certain volume to be able to support that market. And it's you know, like 50 you know, markets you know. in one, basically. Uh, yeah. And it's right. not, so it's not easy. So yeah. it's not easy to go in, but you need somebody of that ilk that would do like Nick's done with Rum Fire and yeah. bring something in and really get behind it, you know, and it could be, it doesn't have to be Nick, it could be any one of a, a number of people, but, you know, he's a, a friend I've known for, for, well, ever since you know the beginning, so it's kind of like that. That you know, we need that 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 vibe. Not to say that none of them are massive producers, but they've got a product that really is genuinely premium on the island. All of the all the producers make it. Orozino, a tiny guy, like literally making it like the size of the my my flat that I'm in right now, my apartment. Wow. You know, is the size of his distillery. You know, mm-hmm. um, and he's making some quality juice, and he's working his ass off like during cane cutting season to keep up. And then the other distilleries are much bigger, but like you know, but there's still no less you know, sort of quality goes into it, um, you know, a, a process. It, it, honestly, I find it I think it's fascinating. I'm just lucky enough that it's close enough to me. You know, I, I, you know, if I was closer to Mexico, I'll be on that scene as well. I, yeah, I would Mexico love to spend so some exciting. time with that. Yeah, oh, definitely. my God. But it, for me, that's a very long way away. <laughs> right. And I haven't got the budget, you know, but I really, but I would be there. John and I need to get our asses down there. We should. Find some for us, man. We, we could do a bottle swap. If we, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I you can know. very happily do that. Do a know? Mexico Madeira exchange. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Take a mediocre Madeira rum at this point. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> uh, well, we've, we've floated all around uh, various topics in the rum world. And now, as per tradition, it's time for us to meander over to our final and special <laughs> segment of the Rumcast, uh, the bonus round that we like to refer to as the rapid fire round, which you already made a point of telling us you were 100% on board yeah. for. Um, no fear. I can't make myself look any, any more stupid, can I? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, you well, can. Well, we're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. So, so with, with that in mind, are you, are you prepared? I'm prepared. Bring All it right. on. Well, I, th- I think you know the rules, so I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. And John, are, are you ready to go? I, I think I'm ready. I, I know uh, Peter's going to be full of uh, short, pithy, uh, laconic, <laughs> even answers that are that are going to be perfect. So we're, we're ready. All right. I've got 60 seconds and go. All right. Neat or on the rocks? Neat. Column, pot, or blend? Blend. All right. Aged or unaged? Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah, all right. Unaged, but that flies against the pot column. But I'm <laughs> okay, I, I'm probably unaged. Okay, and then molasses or cane juice? Hmm. Oh, sorry, Richard, cane juice. Ah. <laughs> 2008, Peter Holland, molasses or cane juice? <laughs> <laughs> molasses. All right, all right. If you could drop a literal floating rum shack anywhere on the earth, where would it be? Ooh. Oh. Martinique. Okay. Uh, being. Yeah, that is a good answer. I like that. Being from the UK with the surname Holland, you know I had to ask. Any relation to Tom Holland, Spider-Man in the MCU? Yeah, man, he's around here all the time drinking <laughs> oh, rum. Oh, I knew it. I, I knew it. You like, see him back there, yeah. Yes, you're like the Spider-Man of rum. It's perfect. <laughs> all right. Wish. Is there any truth to the rumor that you're going to be the brand ambassador for a brand called the Even More Boutique Rum Company? <laughs> Don't tell Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't tell him. Uh, your favorite bar in the UK not named Trailer Happiness, because we know that one's great. Ooh, oh, shit. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, God. I'm apologizing to everyone else probably beachcomber for the agricole oh but it could be black parrot 
Milk. All right. Other than the <laughs> <laughs> I'll plead the fifth. Okay. All right. That's a better answer. All right. Squeezing the last one in here. The floating rum shack has the initials FRS, TFRS, which also happens to be the initials of another rum-related entity, the Florida Rum Society. Is this coincidence or part of a bigger plot that will soon be revealed? I think you'll be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> That's tough. Excellent answer. <laughs> Came full circle. The Floating Rum Shack oh, legal team. They're very busy these days. <laughs> uh, well, Peter, thank you thank for you. taking yeah. the time to, uh, to, to join us and bounce around. We covered a lot of topics, so a lot of ground, yeah. really fun conversation. We appreciate it. Um, any, anything to, to share with, uh, with the rum world before, before we let you go? Oh, well, if you're, um, if you're reminded to travel, then um, now that the world has opened back up again after a lot of these COVID distractions, then we've got um, the rum show in the UK. It sounds like it's going to be uh, like the end of uh, third weekend of July. Um, yeah, all the stuff I've got planned is kind of like from a brand point of view. I'm, I'm there, I'll be exhibiting or whatever, you know, with, um, with Foursquare or whatever. Um, but like, yeah, get yourself over to the rum show. Uh, I think there's going to be an online element to it if you can't make it to the UK. Don't forget the whiskey show. There's a nice rum section to it, uh, rum fest. And you know what? Just get out. You know, the bit I've really missed the last couple of years, I've missed the festival. I've missed tasting new things and keeping up with it. I rely on festivals. You know, you've, you've just try all the, you've got to drink all the rum. You can't know rum if you don't drink all the rum. So you've just got to get <laughs> and try it <laughs> and it's all right to spit some of it back out again you know, you know I mean? <laughs> but gotta try it in the first place you never know all right well everyone yeah. go check out the floating rum shack.com don't uh, don't, put, don't my instagram <laughs> don't my instagram yeah you can do that don't, don't, don't look at the website it's a security risk honestly please don't look at it <laughs> check out the floating instagram in that case instagram. yeah there you go. all right All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. As we just said, if you want to find out more about Peter and his work, don't go to his website. Follow him on Instagram, as he <laughs> said. So we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, so so check that out. Follow Peter. He's always doing interesting stuff. Maybe he'll be posting more pictures, uh, like the ones from Madeira on his next trip. But in the meantime, uh, John, you shared with me today that we just hit a big milestone. We uh, did. Yeah. What, what, what happened? I, I'm very excited to announce we did hit 100 reviews on the internet. Now, that's everything. Uh, everywhere you can place a review, we've somehow hit 100. I don't know how it happened, Cumulatively. Will. Yeah. Cumulatively, right? I, I, I'm not I mean, sure. I know it, how it happened. We have all these excellent listeners who well, heard us you know, on here pleading for reviews. And, and they were... They <laughs> and were, they listened. Yeah, they, they came were very... Through. They were very patient with us and they came through and they delivered. So thank you to everyone uh, who, you know, left a review. Those really do help people more, uh, more people discover the show. So we really do appreciate it. And uh, if you haven't done it yet, I mean, everyone's kind of doing it now. Uh, over right? 100. You so, might as well jump so, on board. So why not exactly. join in? Uh, yeah. Apple, Apple podcast is always a great place to do it. But if you listen on Spotify or something, that place is good too and uh john in in uh, outside of reviews uh, we always love to hear from people where can they find us yeah well just like when you go to check out peter's instagram then you just hop ov- over to the rumcast instagram That's right. and there you go or if you're already on uh, the rumcast instagram why not check us out on facebook or if you use twitter uh, if you follow all the craziness that happens on twitter and you want to also get a release when we release uh, our episodes <laughs> through there uh, then hey, you, you'll know about it there. So we, we're on all of those platforms on YouTube. We're seeing uh, uh, more subscribers on YouTube. So that's interesting and fun. And maybe we'll, you know, maybe at some we'll point, do some video stuff. I was gonna say you, we might have to show 
our faces if we keep getting these YouTube subscribers. Yeah, you know, I don't know. So. I don't know. Be careful what you wish for, YouTube <laughs> subscribers. Anyway, all that said, thank yeah. you everyone for listening. Um, as always, if you want to support the show, you can also go to patreon.com slash the rumcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the rumcast. You get bonus episodes now, so that's fun. Boom. Also, we do a monthly happy hour, which is really great. We just had our second one of those. Such a blast to hang out with listeners and just talk rum together. Everyone brings a bottle. Good times. So anyway, John, until next time, I'll see you then. 